Brotherhood and Betrayal is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't get the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. And how you guys doing? Welcome to the show. We kind of got a special one uh, happening today. Uh, I was thinking about the motorcycle profiling and all that stuff, and there is no better case to explain that how serious it could get as it did in the 1970s, especially in Milwaukee. Uh, we're going to talk about Rocker. He was a member of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club in Milwaukee. And there's a great article that was written by A. Bate of Wisconsin explaining the whole incident, how everything ended up, and the whole nine yards, man. It was a pretty depressing times in the 1970s for bikers in general not only clubs but independents as well and the history of this lifestyle is something everybody should know that's why when i play this next segment i let it go in in its entirety usually when i'm doing this stuff i'll read uh a little bit of the article give my opinions but this is so serious and so profound that you need to hear it in its entirety without me giving opinions none of that stuff again it was written by a bait of wisconsin and let's go to it right now and i'll give my thoughts uh, when we get back okay okay 42 years ago a biker and friend of a bait was murdered in Milwaukee. His death garnered nationwide interest, and several motorcycle publications reported on the sinister circumstances surrounding this dark episode in our history. Roger, or Rocker as his club brothers called him, was a decorated Vietnam veteran. Shortly before his death, he joined the Outlaws Milwaukee MC. He lived on the north side of Milwaukee and most of his friends were Abate members. His brother-in-law, Turtle, was Abate's first product director. His roommate was Dave Bruner, later to become a state director of Abate. Because of his club affiliation, he wasn't allowed to join any other organizations, but his heart was with Abate and he attended most of the helmet rallies in Madison as well as signing his name to several petitions Abate circulated in an attempt to gain sponsors for our repeal bills. Milwaukee in the 1970s was not a hospitable place for motorcyclists. The police did not like us, and the only two helmet rallies in the city were near disastrous. In fact, for one rider named Dale Battersby, the second Milwaukee rally was disastrous. He was pulled off his motorcycle, beaten, arrested, and charged with attempting to kill a police officer with his motorcycle. This is the city Lions grew up in and we all rode in. 
Profiling of bikers was a daily routine. Our huge helmet rally on September 4th was over, and we were basking in the belief that our repeal bill would be voted on in the assembly and we would be free to choose how we rode. Later that month, on September 30, 1977, Lyons joined friends at a north side bar named the Bus Stop Tavern. Events surrounding this incident started at approximately 10 p.m., according to witnesses. There was a brief scuffle around the pool table involving Lyons group and some men who were playing pool. Nothing much of a scuffle, some shoving and name-calling, and then calm. The bartender feared a later escalation and called the police. They showed up 30 minutes later to a quiet atmosphere and asked what the problem was. Those involved in the earlier scuffle were asked to leave, one by one, and according to police, Lyons refused and struck out at them. According to civilian witnesses, he stated he would leave as soon as he finished his drink, 7-Up. He was told no, and after several attempts to bring his glass to his mouth, he was taken to the floor and all hell broke loose. He was dragged out of the bar, lifeless, and thrown onto the ground in the parking lot. Initial reports were that he apparently died from a heart attack. This was a futile attempt to cover up what really happened. To show contempt for this lie, we had t-shirts made showing a Gestapo-style officer wielding a nightstick, with the words, warning, this could cause you a heart attack. You can imagine how popular they were, and how police viewed those who wore them. Why did Abate get involved in this event? Besides the fact that Lyons was well known in the Milwaukee Abate circles, he was a fellow biker and our statement of purpose was to fight for the rights of all bikers in Wisconsin. We absolutely felt his constitutional and civil rights were violated. Abate attended the entire medical examiner's inquest into Lyons' death, which convened on November 4, 1977, and ended on November 11. After numerous witnesses testified, both civilian and police, as well as several pathologists who examined his body, the jury foreman read the verdict, the cause of death was the result of brain swelling and concussion due to multiple blunt trauma injuries. The manner of death was the unlawful homicide by reckless conduct caused by a person or persons undetermined. During police testimony, it was suggested that Lyons may have been seriously injured during the brief scuffle, 30 minutes before police arrived. The jury had to deliberate on that theory. Of course, witnesses stated Lyons had no physical signs of injury before police arrived, and he acted normally after the scuffle in which no blows or kicking was noticed. Comparing that to the large group of officers who took him to the floor, dragged him to a dark corner, and surrounded him so no clear view was afforded anyone in the bar, it's not hard to surmise that the serious injuries occurred then and not before police arrived. After being taken to the floor, he never uttered another word on this planet. Witnesses reported seeing nightsticks raining down on lions, but nobody could say who was swinging them or what they were hitting. This was a dance club, and the room was very dark, especially in the corner they dragged lions to. The national attention this case attracted prompted Martin Jack Rosenblum, musician, poet, and curator at the Harley-Davidson Archives, forerunner to the HD Museum, to write a song about lions. Also, Gary L. Kiefner, a history graduate student in the PhD program at the University of Texas at El Paso, based a dissertation on the social and cultural changes of biker life in the 20th century, pointing out that the lion's murder became a sort of symbol for the denigration bikers received from the public. Kiefner was comparing similar motorcycle-related, street-level incidents in other regions of the country for his work, and the Lyons case represented the best documented case of the time. 
The details of this case were critical to his study and research of the intensity of societal conditions, while exploring the legal, juridical, and emotional dimensions during that decade. In much simpler terms, Abate was seeking justice for a fallen brother. There were many discrepancies during testimony at the inquest that cast a pall over the proceedings. We were met with scorn by many police attending the inquest each day as we worked our way to the front of the hearing room, right behind the family members. The media and others took photographs of us each day upon entering the hearing room, some for the news, others in an attempt to intimidate us. We just smiled and took our seats. Comparing this to current day situations, consider the ramifications if police suspected of brutality were promoted during the investigation. What if one of the principal suspects were put in charge of the investigation? How would you react if you found that those police involved were gathered in a precinct room and compared notes, rehearsed their testimony, and conveniently forgot to bring requested items to the inquest? That's exactly what happened in this case in 1977. The report on the inquest is over 1,500 pages long, and to attempt to explain it would take way too much room in this history. But what is important to note is Lyons was left lying in the back of a patrol wagon for a long time before being transported to the 7th Precinct Station. The official time of death on the autopsy report is listed as 11.38 p.m. We suspect he died much earlier, while still at the bus stop tavern. Police knew he was dead, therefore no rush to transport him, even though one of his companions who was arrested outside, and placed in the wagon before Lyons, was yelling that Lyons was hurt and needed medical attention. Due to tireless efforts by private investigator, Ira B. Robbins, in 1995, 18 years after his death, police officer Robert M. Schmidt came forward to say he was in the 7th precinct the night Lyons died. Robbins helped break the case and set Laurencia Bembenek free. She was accused of murdering her cop husband's former wife. If you want another inside look at the Milwaukee Police Department back in those days, please read her story, Woman on Trial, Copyright 1992, by Laurencia Bembenek, HarperCollins Publishing. Officer Schmidt said he arrived just prior to the scheduled 11 p.m. roll call. At 11.10 p.m. he was told her 97 patrol wagon, which was already in the garage of the station, had a possible dead prisoner and he was asked to remove the man and convey him to the hospital. Schmidt refused because the prisoner should have been transported in the wagon he arrived in, according to protocol. Also, protocol demanded that an injured prisoner be transported immediately for medical attention, yet Lyons was left in the wagon at the bus stop for a prolonged time, then left in the wagon in the garage of the 7th precinct for at least 20 minutes or more. Those involved knew he was dead when he left the tavern, and getting stories straight and creating a timeline was essential in order to protect the guilty. Lyons was finally conveyed to Milwaukee County Hospital, now Fredert, where he was pronounced at 11.38 p.m., but clearly he died much earlier than that. If you can find them, you can read more about the Lyons murder in Easy Riders, February, 1978 No. 56, Original Coverage, Huge Biker Funeral, by Billy Tinney and Woody. You can also read more about it in Biker Magazine, June 1992, No. 104, Justice for Lyons, 14 years later, by Pan. An important development occurred as a result of the Lyons murder. Abate joined a collective of community activists groups who were concerned about police brutality of minorities and rights leaders. During one of the Madison Helmet rallies, attorney Kenner called bikers the new minority. 
We testified at hearings and rallies and met with community leaders as we helped form the Committee for a Democratic Police. It was through the work of this committee that the term of the police chief of Milwaukee was changed from lifetime status to a fixed term. That was huge. We also received a lot of press after testifying at hearings concerned with police enforcement practices, and abate membership grew dramatically. Roger Lyons was a man, a friend, a brother, and a biker. He did not deserve to die in the dirt and stale beer of a barroom floor. Standing up for Lyons made Abate well-known as a viable force in the rights community. We would later be called upon to once again seek justice for a minority member who died while in police custody, eerily similar to the Lyons case. As Kiefner pointed out in his dissertation, historians up to that time had not really concentrated on the non-commercial cultural history of motorcycling. In contrast, bikers have attracted a great deal of interest among cognate disciplines such as anthropology and sociology. Meanwhile, the Lyons murder remains a cold case file in the dark catacombs of the Milwaukee Police Department. In seeking justice, Abate contacted the FBI, WGN-TV, Chicago, for a segment on the Phil Donahue Show, CBS 60 Minutes, Representative John Conyers Jr., Committee on Civil Rights, and Senator Herb Cole, Wisconsin. Abate State Coordinator Tony Sanfilippo, and Free Riders MC President, Dave Zine, met with then Attorney General Jim Doyle for 45 minutes to discuss the case. His conclusion was nothing could be done without a smoking gun. In other words, one of the cops had to confess or tell on those guilty. Just like what happened in the Daniel Bell case, a 1958 murder of a young black man by police. Years later, one of the two officers in that case came forward to say his partner planted a weapon on Bell in order to justify his shooting of the man as he ran in fear of the police he had committed no crime. The Lyons case was reported in Biker News Magazine, Choppers, Easy Riders, Motor Magazine, Germany, The Bugle, Milwaukee Underground Newspaper, and the Milwaukee Journal and Milwaukee Sentinel Daily Newspapers. Lyons was a personification of everything that is going on today, with regard to profiling and extreme enforcement practices used against bikers. He is relevant because he symbolizes the dangers we face when confronted by a rogue cop, the prejudice of society, and the judgmental pontification of the media. As Marty Rosenblum wrote in his song about Lyons, I just blame everybody. Lyons died on the barroom floor, he died in the street, he died in the paddy wagon, but we will not retreat, from fear and injustice, from secrets held until now. Okay, what did you guys think? Let me know about that in the comments section. It really goes back uh, even further than the 70s with the law enforcement and the hostility that bikers have faced with law enforcement. And a lot of people wonder why the older guys have an attitude towards them. Well, it's because of their actions. This country was a lot different back then. It ain't like it is today. The different type of thinking back then was bikers were a ragtag, nothing but uh, scoundrels, if you will. Where today, everybody's cool that's a biker. Even law enforcement. I cannot remember any law enforcement clubs except the Blue Knights. Those are the only ones I can remember going back that way. But now you got 
thousands of them, it seems, popping up all over the United States. And that's one of the reasons why I have such an attitude with them. And a lot of people can't understand that. So I'm hoping that you stayed with uh, what happened to the rocker or rocker and see how police treated bikers back then. That's something that really does not go away. Not for the older guys, anyway. Now I know there's evolution, and uh, the younger kids don't see it that way. But quite frankly, they weren't even born, and they weren't even around for the bad times. I think that's why in the mid-90s, we all started getting upset with uh, rubs, and that's when uh, the prices of motorcycles went up. But they didn't understand that before they came on the scene it wasn't cool you were actually looked at like a menace to society hardcore that was 1977 and there was a lot of in between until now but we again seen how police were in 2015 with waco there was a man shot Lying there. All he had to do was get him to a freaking ambulance. But they made him lay there and bleed to death and die. Those cops knew something was happening in that day at Waco and they could have stopped it. But because of the way they look at clubs, they didn't care. Now, are all cops bad is going to be the next one. You know... I believe some are good at heart, man. I believe some want to do uh, good for their communities and stuff. But I'll never, ever sit down and break bread with one. That's just not the way I am. And that comes with the experiences of having to deal with profiling. It was pretty bad in the 90s, but nothing as bad as it was in the 70s and 80s. So when you're hearing people talk about motorcycle profiling, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you actually hear the story that A Beta Wisconsin put out about Roger, it makes you sit back and think, man, we better freaking start giving them old timers, those old gray beards, some respect. Especially the Vietnam vets, which Roger Lyons was one. He was a Vietnam vet. He died at 32 years old. 32 years old. Can you imagine that? And I know there's a lot of other, you know, we got a big uh, criminal thing going with the George Floyd stuff. A lot are feeling, uh, you know, pretty disgusted by that one. Especially uh, blacks. They're really, yeah, they're pissed. And they should be. Because they deal with a lot of profiling, they deal with a lot of police brutality. I always said, if you want to know what a motorcycle club member feels like, just look at what the stuff that happens to blacks. Then you'll know. This is not blown out of proportion like uh, a lot in the media will tell you. Because it ain't. It's not blown out of proportion. This actually happens. And back then, they defended the cops pretty freaking heavy, man. 
pretty freaking heavy. It was actually was quite freaking uh, disgusting. I'm going to pull up an article right now and give you an example of the kind of reporting that they did in 1996. Now, this is almost 20 years after everything went down. But you can still see the style of reporting when we go over it. Chicago Tribune. Yeah, our Chicago Tribune. Slain bikers mourners won't let police off the hook. How disgusting is that title right there? The throaty rumble of more than 100 Harley-Davidson engines filled the air Saturday as a column of bikers from several states made its way out of a gritty industrial neighborhood to Roger Rocker Lion's grave at Holy Cross Cemetery. Nearby, a dozen, they couldn't even let them have a freaking memorial without the cops be there. A dozen cops were there. They watched, took notes, snapped pictures, and stopped a couple of bikers for questioning. They couldn't even let them be at this. And this was actually 19 years later after it. Now, a lot of clubs have memorial rides. This is one of them. Now... The officers provided a dutiful escort for the procession. <laughs> I wonder if that was arranged, but they were, you know what, they wanted to give them an escort, but then they want to snap pictures, take notes, and question everybody. Uh, the tense and bizarre uh, tableau has occurred annually for the last 19 years. Lyons, a 32-year-old Vietnam veteran, laid-off vending machine serviceman, and a member of the Milwaukee Outlaws Motorcycle Club, died on a rainy night of head injuries while in police custody. That was September 30th, 1977. While in police custody. His friends and the outlaws and the bike riders who never knew him have held the memorial ride ever since. They will not let their, uh, die their belief that he was killed by baton-wielding police officers who have been silent ever since. Quote, The Milwaukee Police Department killed Roger Lyons. That's all there is to it, said Michael Goodman, an outlaw who was with Lyons that night. This belief persists despite a coroner's inquest and a federal grand jury that found no evidence to justify prosecution. They claim all 12 of the officers involved passed polygraph tests. Hook them up to the, you know, the modern-day polygraph test to see what happens. Seat a new grand jury and see what happens. 1977 was a lot different than it is today. Quote, there has been a wrong done here, and we need to right that wrong. This, according to... To a state senator, David Zine of Eau Claire, who was also a Vietnam veteran and a Harley rider who has sought to reopen the case. So even a state senator back in 96 says this case needed to be open. Medical examiners concluded that Lyons died from blunt trauma to the brain. Several uh, indentations were noted on his skull. The inquest jury appointed by the county sheriff 
ruled the death an unlawful homicide by reckless conduct by a person or persons undetermined. The jurors did not, however, rule out as a possible cause a brief tavern fight Lyons was involved in, in earlier that night. You guys heard it. You heard everything that they put out on that incident. The fight, which took place at a former bus stop tavern on Milwaukee's northwest side, involved Lyons, Goodman, and Harry Ross, known as Horrible Harry, the three all-Vietnam veterans tangled with three men playing pool. And then he talks about the bartender who called the police and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it basically gives somewhat of the argument that was just made. Few at the tavern except Goodman and Andrea Jackson, a go-go dancer, testified they couldn't could get a clear enough view to see if the blows were landing on Lyons' head, but most agreed that Lyons appeared unconscious when he was half-carried, half-dragged out of the bar. So there was people that seen this. Interesting here. In subsequent deaths of blacks in police custody, there was an outrage expressed by Milwaukee's black community, save for the bikers, there was no outrage expressed over his death. That's because most of us uh, don't know how to organize that good. Things were different in an even amidst in here 1977. Vietnam veterans were not well received, which is disgusting. And the outlaws, who had members had been criminally prosecuted in several cities, were viewed as a menace to society. Yeah. They were in the 70s. You guys think it's bad now? It was bad back then. And that's why you need to respect the traditions and all that kind of stuff. It's because these type of people paid for it with their lives. Dan Folger, who was president of the Milwaukee Outlaws in 77, uh, Breyer, who was uh, the chief of police, wanted to shut him down. It was almost like a psychological war between us and them. That made it all easier to enforce the code of silence, said Zine, the state senator who has attended several memorial rides for Lions. I don't know if there's any way of ever finding out the truth unless somebody comes forward. I wish somebody would come forward. I really do. Because this is a case that needs to be reopened and studied again. With today's technology, you might get somewhere. What do you guys think? What did you guys think of how the incident from A Beta Wisconsin's point of view on all this sounded it kind of gives you a, like a time warp type of deal where you go back in time and you hear it straight from the people that were there and knew about this profiling won't ever go away until you get involved in Illinois right now there's a profiling bill a motorcycle profiling bill up in the house, I believe. If you're in Illinois, you're going to want to make sure 
that you contact your reps to have them be a co-signer on that bill. If you're getting profiled, make sure you go to the MPP's website, fill out that motorcycle profiling uh, survey. If you're not a member of ABATE, if you're not a member of any biker rights thing, make sure you get involved, man. You really do uh, need to. Uh, but as we're talking about uh, Wisconsin now, uh, good news, Abate's putting out. Wisconsin congressman introduces legislature ensuring bikers have a voice. That's HR 2141, renewing the Motorcycle Advisory Council Reauthorization Act. It's a bipartisan bill that would reauthorize the council for the next six years and would allow more seats at the table for motorcyclists to be represented. ABATE of Wisconsin would like to thank Congressman Gallagher for taking the lead on introducing this piece of legislation. We would also like to announce and thank Wisconsin Congresswoman Gwen Moore for signing on as an original co-sponsor. When introducing this bill, Congressman Gallagher said, Few states know motorcycles better than Wisconsin, and this bill ensures we can find ways to allow more growth in the industry and make Wisconsin roads more safer. Good news out of Wisconsin on that front. So, we're going to go into the second segment of the show, MotorcycleMadhouseRadio.com. If you're uh, on Discord, man, just go hop into that Discord room, man. You'll see us over there live. China Dow's here. Uh, those that's not going to come over, and you be that way then. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you coming on. Don't forget to get uh, your copy of uh, Biker. Uh, oh, man, I screwed it up. That thing's got me messed up, That uh, what we just played brotherhood and betrayal it's on amazon and all that good stuff uh with that i'll talk to you guys uh later on youtube This radio station plays more music, more music like this. I went to a party Brotherhood and Betrayal is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't give the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. And how you guys doing? Welcome to the second half of the show, Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Mayhem. That was uh, a big thing over there on uh, the first segment. Uh, hopefully you guys listened to it all the way through. Sad state of affairs. And now I am joined by China Dow. Uh, she kind of pissed off at me right now. <laughs> She's been going at me for a uh, day now after what happened uh, yesterday morning. Uh, 
yeah, she's kind of got an attitude problem against Hollywood. We're going to have some uh, news today. Uh, we got a big show for you guys. Uh, going to talk about that Siobhan trial and uh, also some uh, biker news, man. Uh, you know, I think uh, that biker news is, I love it. Uh, and also, you know, for our, you know, she's pissed off at me. So we're going to go to Dear Abby, Man Who Fight Fair Turns Arguments into Battles. <laughs> I think that's going to be a good topic today. So how are you doing, China? Yeah, hi, how you doing? <laughs> you still a little upset? Man, eh, well, you know. Not blowing any bubbles out my mouth yet, but you know, whatever. Blowing bubbles out your mouth? What are you talking about? Oh, you know, yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, what happened? Um, you. Okay, you know, alright, alright. I know us women like it when said dude has clean balls and a wiener when you go to go down on him, right? That needs to be clean, because I'm sorry. If it's stinky, you're smelling my palm. That's all I'm saying. You're smelling it. I don't care. So, you know, I'm like, dude, did you use aftershave? What the fuck? Uh, this tastes weird. My pecker tasted weird! Yeah, it tastes weird. I took a shower. When the fuck did you take a shower? Tuesday night. No, no, motherfucker. This, this is like, you just took a shower like five seconds ago. It was smelling pretty. Okay, yeah, it smelled good. I didn't have to make you smell my palm or nothing. It wasn't sweaty, nasty, stanky ball sack. But... Well, that's what you women complain about all the time. And you complain about a guy taking a shit, and right afterwards you gotta suck the pee-pee. That's nasty. I don't care who you are. That's some nasty shit. That's gross. But, dude... I don't know how much soap you use or what, but I swear to God I was going to blow bubbles out my mouth. You were looking at me the whole time. I was looking at you going, what the fuck? If it really bugged you, why did you do it? Do what? Suck the schlong. Because you're supposed to do that kind of stuff, man. Well, yeah, that's what a woman's supposed to do. Yeah, that's what you... That's and you women are doing. always bitching and crying that men smell... Well... And I'm a clean guy. Yeah, but a little too clean. You don't wash it 30 seconds before you get it. I told you I did it the night before I... No, no, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you did not. You're so full of crap. I swear you're like, I'm going to go take a pee. No, you were in there washing your nutsack. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. You had to have been. You had to have been. Because I'm sorry. Okay, please explain to me. If a dude can wash his balls... 12 hours later, it still smells pretty? I think not. You're you're over there saying, you know what? I, <laughs> why is it when I wash my hoo-ha 12 hours later, it doesn't smell pretty? What the fuck? There's no way. There's, there's juices no way. that flow with there's, you women. There's no damn way that your shit still smelled like fucking flowers 12 hours later. I used apple soap. No, you didn't. It's flowers with coconut. Well, you got some coconuts. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Is that why you came up? There was little bubbles coming out of your mouth? I'm telling you, I swear there probably was. <laughs> so why are you mad at me all day then? Because I couldn't get the damn soap taste out of my mouth for like hours. 
<laughs> You've been mad at me lately. No, I've just been cranky in general. Yeah, but know. yesterday was a tipping point for you. Yeah, well, it, it yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm just curious on how 12 hours plus your balls can still smell like flowers and coconuts and cuz my I'm Hollywood. And, and I don't care you didn't freaking wash it the night before because the night before would have been Tuesday night, and I was here. I slipped into the bathtub. Oh, when did you slip into the bathtub? When you were sleeping. Oh, for the whole 30 seconds that I dozed off? Oh, you were sleeping for an hour. Oh, I doubt you were in there then, because if that's the case, I dozed off before the freaking night show, so then that means it was way more than 12 hours later. Yes. (laughs) No, it's not, no. When you're Hollywood, you smell good. Not, no. Not always. You bitches, you can't do anything right. What? I do everything right. I can never do anything damn right with yous. No. no. You Dude. bitch that they're smelly balls, then you bitch when they're pretty balls. Okay, yeah, they were pretty, but... Oh, oh my. thank you for admitting my balls are pretty, by the way. <laughs> pretty sm- pretty smelling. I don't mean pretty looking. Balls no, are you just said pretty. I didn't say pretty looking. Balls are ugly. They just fucking hang there. What the fuck? <laughs> They're just... Ew. Then why'd you ask me for a pair of balls for your car? Because uh, they weren't for my car. What were they for? I was going to buy them. I was going to get them for someone else. Oh, really? Yeah, ball sack in a bag. <laughs> and I was going to put it in a purse. Right. Yeah, it was going to be a present. It was going to be a present, you uh-huh. sick bitch. What? People carry their men's balls in a purse, so I figured I would literally give somebody balls in a purse. Oh, really? Rock on. So So why the hell? It wouldn't have been for me, man. Which way do you women want it? Do you want want them smelly, or do you want them smelling pretty? I want them smelling pretty, but Jesus Christ, man, don't do it five seconds before you're about to get a blowjob. Just don't. Because How do you know I did it five seconds before? Because, dude, you don't double flush when you pee. So you were making noise in there, so I didn't know what you were doing. That's I was shaving. The, you were not shaving. Because if you were shaving, you missed a spot. But <laughs> I was shaving, you know, my neck because I'm growing this beard. Oh. So I had to make sure my neck was good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Then mm-hmm. threw on some aftershave. Mm-hmm. So I smelled pretty for my blowjob. You know, it's morning. You know, Hollywood. Don't use aftershave and then touch your junk. I didn't touch my junk. Never use aftershave and touch your junk. Because that's worse. I was getting all hooked up, ready for my morning freaking do, and uh, now you bitching. Because I couldn't get the soap taste out. I can't get it right with you. I smoked a cigarette. I drank my cherry Pepsi. I even ate something, and it's still soap taste. So you had to go to work like this? No, I was gone by then. Oh, it was gone by then. Yeah. Oh. But it was like a couple hours worth of soap taste in the mouth, so it was like, ugh. So you're sitting here telling girls to do a palm test, yeah. and... Like, well, you guys do the finger test, so we need, we have to do the palm test. That's because you guys are nasty sometimes, man. You ain't any better sometimes. Sometimes you're... Yeah. Uh, so you're at when I fucking... Sometimes ball sacks smell worse than a butthole. 
<laughs> but men still make you go down. <laughs> and we're doing it going, you gotta get some nose plugs. We're gagging and it ain't because of your junk being too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe we should get you women some of them nose plugs that swimmers wear. No, then how the fuck are we supposed to breathe? Nose plugs. Just like swimming, man. You come up for air. <laughs> Nose plugs and a dick in the mouth. I'm not breathing during this. I'm sorry. You, you rise up and you, you know, you take a breath of air like a whale. I'm going to be turning fucking blue. <laughs> you look like a blueberry and shit. Dude, you can't do a nose plug and have, your, have a dick in the mouth. It's just no. I don't know. I think that'd How did be she die? Good. She died with his dick in her mouth. <laughs> Dude, that's how I want to go. I want to die with my pecker in my mouth. <laughs> you want to die with your pecker in someone's mouth? Yes. <laughs> that would be the best. That's, as, that's just as good as uh, when you die. I just stuff you and put you over there. That's awesome. No. No. Mr. I got some Creepy. good ideals here. Yeah, your your good ideas. I love your eyes, so I'm taking those. <laughs> Where are you putting my eyeballs? I was going to put them in a glass jar with that formaldehyde shit. You're stupid. Yes, that way you're always looking at me. Oh, my God. That way, if, I, if I'm getting it on with a nice sweetheart and stuff, I'd put your eyes right there. <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> Don't be washing your dick five seconds before a blowjob, though. That's just wrong. Oh. And do not put on aftershave and touch your dick. Because that taste is... These are reminders from a woman who's a pro. I'm telling you, it's gross. (laughs) Has that ever happened to any of you women out there? That the man has nice, clean junk and you're blowing bubbles, you know, right afterwards? I think it's, you know what, it's a good uh, win-win for everybody. You get a good tasting uh, schlong, and we get to drop our nut. (laughs) (laughs) That's just wrong. Well, you, you know, you can't complain no more. <laughs> you can't get I mean, out of here and tell all these people I will that tell they, you, they got uh, smelly balls. I will tell you 100%, though. The soap taste, even though it's nasty, I felt like I was getting, I was like a bad girl and getting my mouth washed out with soap. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. It just took you a long time to get your mouth washed out. I guess. Yeah. Well, at least you have a clean mouth. I know. You had one. You had a, your, your breath usually smells like dragon ass. <laughs> it smelled good yesterday. It smells huh? good yesterday. Nobody could tell I just sucked dick. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could tell. <laughs> it was soapy, soapy fresh. Now, you women, you got that radar stuff. Can you tell when another woman sucks a dick? No. Do can you tell if a woman does it does blowjobs? Sometimes. Sometimes. Me, all I have to I do tell, is look could, at the creases in their mouth. I can tell by looking at some of the people I work with. They don't do it. They don't <laughs> suck dick. No. They probably don't got boyfriends. No. Because if you don't suck dick, you're not gonna have a man long. Well, that's probably why. Uh, one, yeah, two of them don't. <laughs> two of them don't have it. <laughs> no. And they're both my bosses. Ouch. <laughs> the manager and the assistant manager. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this is a very serious thing for women. <laughs> if you don't suck a dick, you ain't having a boy. You ain't having a boyfriend. Well, and the bad the thing the thing with that too is if you ain't sucking, they ain't going down licking. 
No. It's just, you know. But some women are like that. They're like, you know, can you do me? And hey, hey, what about me? Hey, go fuck yourself. That's what they say. <laughs> and then they're out there, and the next thing you know, why is he cheating on me? Or it could be worse. It could be me where I'm more of a giver than a receiver, so. Right. I'm, well, no, we're not talking about you. We always talk about you. Let's talk we about somebody. We always talk about We're me. always talking about you, you know? You're, you're sexcapade shit. Uh, uh, but, you know, you know why, you're a woman. Oh, yeah, I added something to my sex list. What? Sex and my walk-in cooler at work. You know, that'd be kind of cool. You know? Kind of fucking cold, man. The guy wouldn't be able to get his schlong up. Exactly. So why would you want to do it in a cooler? It'd be solo sex. Ah, okay. <laughs> so as a woman, do you or do you not agree with me? What? If women don't suck a schlong, the men's not going to be there long. Um, 75% say I agree. <laughs> Why only 75%? Because maybe they have an understanding that they neither one do oral. I don't know. Oh, don't go with that cop-out shit. Uh, it's not no cop-out. I didn't do it when we first got together. That didn't last long. You noticed that it happened as soon as you got with me, because I wouldn't be here with you right now. <laughs> I just said, see you, bitch. <laughs> and, oh, how much better I got over time. Oh, yeah, you got good over time, but if you, I'm saying if you didn't do it, see you later. Yeah. That's the way most men think. Probably. Almost Definitely. You know, and what's even funnier is when you get one of them broads that do suck your thing. Well, can you tell me before you come? Man, what the fuck wrong with you? None of y'all do that. None of y'all. Hell no, that. man. I'm blowing that load. I'm going to just jerk your head down. No. And then they look up like all stupid and shit. Uh, you know, spooge flying out of their mouth. And, you know, those are the worst ones, man. And then if they can tell if you're about to blow, then they pull up and just do the hand. It's like, dude, you're getting half of what's supposed to be you, you're, you're paying for here. You're getting a half job. You're getting a half job. <laughs> and I, you know what? I believe a man pays for, you know, this stuff every day. It might not be monetary, but they got to live with your ass. So, you know, they're paying the price here. Give them all the goods, I say. Give them all the goods. Don't be freaking stingy with that. Yeah, you get you get yours because I get my nails did. Yeah, you get your nails did. <laughs> That's a trade-off. And I got to deal with bipolar shit. So I should be actually be getting more. What? Daily is not enough? No, daily is not enough. I should, you know what? You should go find a friend. And she, sh you know, you do it during the day. And she does it during the night. Because you bipolar. I, you know what? I think that's I don't play a, well with others. That's a good negotiation <laughs> right there point. I don't play well with others. What do you mean don't play well with others? No. No. So you're telling me that I can't have something on at nighttime? Yeah, you can. Just get one of your girls back. No, 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 no. You got to go find one. No. Around here. Huh? Don't you know me? Around here? Yes. Oh, have you met the chicks in this town? the hell? So you being stingy. I ain't being stingy. I said you could totally have... You got two two side chicks. Just have them come over. Look at you getting all pissed off. I ain't going looking for nothing. Why are you getting pissed off? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. When China gets pissed off, man, you got to run to the hills, man. <laughs>
Captain Crunch, Honeycomb, and Raisin Bran. All in one bowl. Part of this nutritious breakfast. You're listening to Motorcycle Madhouse Radio, WMMRDB Rockford. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Captain Crunch. 
That what do you mean Alora said if he ain't giving you none, I don't get none? See, that's not how it works in this motherfucking house. <laughs> Hollywood gets his. Because you know why? Bipolar is the one word I got to tell you. Bipolar. So if I got to deal with that headache all the time, she is getting a break. She's getting a pass, okay? <laughs> that me- that means, you know, because of my bipolarness, I got to, like, you know, reimburse you? Or- yeah, you got to reimburse me for the false advertising. Oh, well, the... How is it false advertising? It's false advertising. Everything's going good with the marriage and stuff like that. And boom, one day you're a bitch. That don't work. Then you just, you know, I don't, you know what? I don't know how many fucking the, personalities you have. <laughs> a few. <laughs> yes. And the funny thing is I can't blame, blame it on PMS because, you know, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> can't blame it on my period because I don't have that problem. You people can call in if you want 847-957-1656. Poor China Dow. Okay, whose side are you on? You have to be on Hollywood's side in this because it was China. China doll that said that she don't like smelly balls. No women like smelly balls. <laughs> Just saying. A uh, preliminary hearing for four of original suspects in Eastville shooting. Oh, man, sad state of affairs. They are believed to have gang ties. Will be in Northampton uh, court today for an arraignment. Uh, this had a deal uh, with the, uh, let's see here, according to court records, Eastville police uh, believe the four, along with Chip Lewis and uh, Casey Gillespie, changed, uh, uh, Chase Tyler Combs and Tim Pope. You imagine having a Pope as a last name? They all, uh, you know what? I'd have a good time making fun of that shit when I was a kid. <laughs> Leaving Yoke and Joe's restaurant. Yoke and Joe's <laughs> restaurant. In Eastville on two motorcycles and in two cars, the chase proceeded south on Courthouse Road and the victim said they heard gunshots as the ca- uh, chase approached the Eastville Inn. Bullet fragments were recovered by investigators in the rear of the pickup. Eyewitnesses say the suspects were all wearing clothing and insignia of the Titans Motorcycle Club. Ooh, sad state of affairs. Sad state of affairs right there, man. Also, man, here we go with the Derek Chabon trial. This is like that freaking O.J. Simpson shit. You remember O.J. Simpson? If the glove don't fit, you must quit. If the glove don't fit, you must quit. I was in squabs over on Mannheim and Fullerton. Remember we were over there watching that chase? Yeah. That was funny as hell. <laughs> we're like, dude's going 30 miles an hour. What the hell's going on here? How can you not catch him? Everybody was glued to that television station and stuff like that. That was priceless. That was funny as hell. I believe the son of a bitch did it. I think he did, too. Yeah, she did. I believe so. You know, I think he got off because, uh, you know, a couple of years earlier, year, I don't know what the fuck the date was. Uh, you know. You know, he was, my past, uh, he was famous. Well, he was famous, and it had to do with uh, that Rodney King bullshit. Yeah. So, you know, they ain't going to freaking commit convict him. But if it was me, they would have thrown my ass in jail in the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a key witness is going to invoke the Fifth Amendment. And he was uh, Morris Lester Hall. He was seen on body cam video sitting in the car with Floyd. What's that tell you? Going to invoke the Fifth Amendment. 
He knows a lot. He knows a lot, but it might help the cops, and he might get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows way more, and he's not telling. Right. You know, he's keeping quiet. He's doing the Fifth Amendment thing. Uh, Mr. Morris Lester Hall, through undersigned counsel, hereby provides notice to all parties uh, that if called to testify, he would invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. Uh, this was a notice filed by Assistant Public Defender Adrian Cousins. Therefore, counsel for Mr. Hall respectively moves this court to quash the subpoena and release Mr. Hall from any obligations therein. Ooh. Authorities previously said Hall was a key witness in the state's investigation into the four officers who apprehended Floyd. He was a key witness and he is invoking the fifth. You know, when I was watching some of the opening arguments, there w- there really wasn't any good case uh, against this cop. And you guys all know how I feel about a cop. But I look at stuff objectively, and I look what people are saying. I don't put any emotions into it. And they really didn't have anything. It was just innuendo and, well, emotions that they were using during their opening arguments. This cop, you know, if it was anywhere else, because you know what? They're going to have to convict, because if not, they're going to set the freaking city on fire, which they'll probably do anyway. You had actual leftist photographers in there trying to get photos of the jury. That way they can pressure them. That's a mistrial, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, he was seen sitting in uh, a police body cam videos in a car with Floyd, his longtime friend. As another occupant, uh, Swanda Hill sat in the back seat. So there was people that were actually sitting in there with him. Uh, hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you think of this? The Fifth Amendment. Hey, you got to give it to the freaking guy. You know, one big thing that I always have a problem with is guys who take the stand against their clubs. I really hate that. Why don't you guys, you know what, they're usually working deals. But why don't you take the Fifth Amendment? You know, the pagans did it in that uh, crime commission deal. They sat there, invoked the Fifth Amendment. That's the way it used to be. Because you got lots of guys out there that are only thinking about themselves and they just want to get a lighter sentence. They want a lighter sentence. And you know what, you bring up a good point. You bring up a good point. And this is one point I'm always stumped on. I'm always stumped on when people uh, bring this stuff in the YouTube comments and they say, you know what, they're 1% until it's time to pay the piper. You know, they go out there, give everybody headache, and this is coming from, uh, you know, people who don't like clubs. But they say, hey, you know, they act like 1%ers, giving people hell, enjoying the image then when it comes down to uh if they did something paying the piper they're not so one percent anymore nope and that's one thing that stumps me all the time where i have a hard time saying uh that's what that you get me to do uh (laughs) i can't argue it they turn around and become tattletales they they become tattletales (laughs) which ain't cool nope it ain't cool at all. Nope. And yet, yeah, why don't they plea the fifth? 
Well, um, well, because they don't want to sit in jail. I mean, that's why. Well, yeah. You know, I covered a case uh, with the Gypsy Jokers <laughs> yesterday. I've been having fun with that, doing case uh, deals uh, and, you know, throwing some biker news over on this side of the show. But anyway, the case with the Gypsy Jokers, and I always talk about summations, and people look at me cross-eyed where, well, if you take a deal, you got to do it. It don't mean that. Well, wait a second here. Yes, it does. Because the DOJ and the cops and law enforcement agencies use those summations to say, hey, wait a second, this is a criminal gang. It's coming from the club's own mouth. You know, because a lot of, you know, we do that, you know, it's motorcycle clubs, not motorcycle gangs. Well, I would suggest, you know, you get your members in line and tell them don't summate. Because once you say, I think the guy with the Gypsy Jokers came out and actually said that they made their money through intimidation, illegal drugs, and that's what gives the DOJ all their freaking firepower. People need, people need to actually learn or educate themselves on this type of stuff instead of just reading into the internet crap. You know, everybody's a freaking expert on the internet. Do you have, you ever notice that? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it make you sick sometime where you just want to throw your fucking computer out the window? Well, that's like when I come home from work and I'll, you know, I work at a gas station. I hear a lot of stuff. I'll come home and be like, hey, guess what this person said? And you'll be like, where the fuck did he get that? I'm like, off the internet. Off the internet. He's so full of shit. <laughs> he is full of shit. <laughs> I love how your comment always is, did he fact check that? I mean. <laughs> well, you know, I do a lot of news stuff, so I have to look more deep into type of stuff, you know, before I give my opinions and, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you got to look into it. That's just like this fool uh, claimed that people, the clubs weren't wearing their patches on Main Street. Now, I went to my buddy. They were down there. I said, are you guys now banned from wearing your patches on Main Street? I know in the bars you can't do it. That's been that way since I was around. Uh-huh. He's like, no, who the fuck told you? And he looked at me cross-eyed like, why the fuck would you ask me that? I wanted to verify. Well, and who's better to verify it with but somebody that was there. Right, you know. somebody was there who's a club member in a 1% club. Yeah, and he's... And he looked at me all stupid. <laughs> I was like, man, I just got to verify before I go on the freaking air and, and say, say it. And say it. <laughs> and look stupid. And look stupid. <laughs> Can you imagine the comments if you would have said that? And then he looks at me and he says, you know what? Whoever said that's a fucking moron. <laughs> I say, well, you know, they claim the clubs couldn't do that. He's like, well, they're probably with the fucking bitch club, is what he said. You know, uh, you know, or not with one. You know how this guy thinks. Yeah. You know, uh, and it was like, okay, I'm verifying it. People need to verify shit. Yeah, hundred percent, and like verify everything. Don't go off the cuff and just say crap and not know what exactly. I mean, I ramble a lot, but usually it's not about anything particular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta admit that. Yeah. 
I'm very good at being on one topic and then jumping to another topic and you won't know what just happened. <laughs> That's what I do half the time. What happened here? What are you talking about? Oh, by the way, guys, you know, there was a lot of confusion last night. Uh, the show does happen at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You don't have to ask. Even if I'm not on camera in Discord, I am on the radio. You know, I got a lot of equipment I'm working here, and it takes up a lot of juice on the equipment, so that's why I didn't come on Discord, and that's why I just went straight radio, because uh, I know a lot of people were asking you, and yeah. it was like, wait a second, I'm on air, this is radio, man. <laughs> yeah, I popped on the last 15 minutes, because, you know. Like, right now, you're not on our equipment, you're on your phone in there. Yeah, I'm on my phone. Yeah. During the mornings, I'm always on my phone when I'm in here. Right. And when I come in at night and on my days off, I'm on my phone. You're on your phone. I'm not on the heavy-duty equipment. I'm always on my phone when I'm in the studio. Because mm. it's easier for me because I know how to function everything. Right. I got all the, com <laughs> I, you know, I got my computers running, you know, the one computer that they see me on uh, Discord. I actually got the mixing stuff on that computer right now. For the sound quality and the raise it, lower it, and all that good stuff. Because you actually need, if you wanted to really sound good, because we're broadcasting at, I believe, 90 megahertz. And that takes a lot out of your equipment, your computers, all that type of stuff. But yeah, at nighttime, I'm on at 7.30. You guys go into Discord. Uh, enjoy it. You know, I know a lot of you guys love, uh, you know, being on there, uh, members only deal for the Throttle Club is actually Saturday. At 7. At 7. Uh, you have to remind me. I'm not good at that stuff. You know, I, you know even with the freaking calendar, I'm not good. No. <laughs> You're not. I, I suck. I can program crap in your phone and you'll be like, what is this? <laughs> right. Damn it, I missed it because you don't set the notification to come on. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about it, and I can't, you know what, I really can't stand this. I can't stand, I don't, I always, you know what, I I hammer this into the ground. I really do. What? Men who are bitches. <clears throat> That's why I wanted to buy the balls and put them yes. in the purse. Man, uh, now let's go to Dear Abby here because you know you had a problem with me, you know, jizzing in your mouth, you know, and you blowing buzz bubbles. Man who won't fight fair turns arguments into battles. I love it. See, the very definition of fight means you want to win. I do this all the time to you. Yeah. You always have to have the last word. I but always you, have. But, but you don't, because when you walk away or I walk away, I'm saying shit as I'm leaving. <laughs> but I win the argument. Fucking jerk, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you wish me dead all the time. See, that's why I worry about when your sister and you get together and you're going to slit my fucking throat. Nah. Anyway. We're just going to make you mentally crazy. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know what? You guys are going to stay at a fucking motel. <laughs> no. Staying in my own home. Or put you in the back fucking yard. Or I'll put you in the garage where you to turn off on the heat. No. And that's another thing she bitches at me about. The heat. Yeah. I'm freezing. Why the hell don't you use the big heater? That costs a lot of money. So why the fuck did you spend the money to put it up? <laughs> Smart ass bitch. What? Anyway, dear Abby, I am in a nearly two year relationship with a man I love. 
in so many ways, this is a relationship I've always hoped for, and being in my early 30s, I'm feeling ready to settle down. Why does everybody think once you hit 30, you got to settle down and stuff? I don't know. And, ah, the problem is, he doesn't fight fair. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. The man is always right. Let's just put it out there. Men are always right. I have put an exorbitant amount of effort into remaining calm and loving during arguments to prevent our relationship from deteriorating. How can you be loving during an argument? The whole point is to argue. And to win the fight. And to win the fight. And to have the last word. And have the last word and make them run off and them under their breath bitching you out. Wait, yeah. Because <laughs> that happens. Uh, his unfair fighting comes in the form of aggressive tones, obscene faces, looking at his phone while I'm talking and sometimes ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what, that sounds familiar. I ignore the hell out of you. Yeah. You can be talking to me and I'd be like, what? <laughs> I do it a lot to you. Yeah. Because I ignore the shit out of you. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so you know what she's feeling right now. The only time you don't is when I'm sitting in the studio and we're on a show. That is the only time you actually listen. <laughs> and that's only because you're wearing headphones, so you have no choice. I have no I have no choice. <laughs> The arguments are usually over minor issues that are nowhere near warranting a full-blown fight. For example, dish is not being done when he came home from work because I work from home and put it off due during non-work hours. That kind of sounds like you on your days off. You know, you're not a domestic engineer. Nah, I think that's my biggest pet peeve is you're a lazy bum when you're off of work. I am not. You're I, fucking lazy. I clean when I'm manic. You just gotta yeah, wait when you're man, the, I gotta wait two, three weeks before you get in one of them moods to clean the fucking house. <laughs> yes. How was it? That was that like last week. And you already got it to where your son now is cooking now, and you you sit back and you do nothing, and then you complain when you have to blow bubbles. I think that's a good trade-off. You women are always freaking. Uh, yeah, give me that lower lip. <laughs> Our relationship is otherwise great, but if I'm going to commit to someone for life, I want them to be capable of having calm and healthy conversations. He thinks I'm controlling when I ask him not to use aggressive tones or make faces. What do I do? Fighting fair in Oregon. Well, you know, I know uh, Dr. Abby, or whatever her stupid name is. Dear Abby. Whatever, is going to give you some liberal bullshit. Uh, Hollywood's gonna give you advice. Suck it up there, buttercup. Men are right. Don't be an asshole. What's your advice? So use the same frickin' tone and give him facial expressions, too. What the hell? That's when you get your nose broken, though, ladies. Don't listen to China. No. No, it isn't. That's when you get your nose broken. No, it isn't. What's fair is fair in love and war. See, that's the problem. You know, fair is fair, but, you know, women are not equal to a man in a relationship. The man is the king of the castle. Or you can do my favorite thing and be like, God, whatever, and just walk away. That's what you always do because you know you're losing the fight. <laughs> that's always my answer when I'm losing. <laughs> God, whatever, shut up. And I walk away going, "You, f I fucking hate you. <laughs> 
piece of shit. <laughs> and then I hear it, then she gets a strike. Because trust me, I don't say it quietly. <laughs> and then I'm stomping around. Like a five-year-old. throwing shit. Even my kids, they're like, you know what? Stop acting like a fucking five-year-old. <laughs> Always. How does that make you feel when the kids say that? I laugh. I go, shut up. Stop fucking picking on me. I'm your mom. <laughs> You're supposed to be on my side. No, you go with dad. Because dad's right. Yeah, I don't win, I don't win that fight. You know what? I, I kinda... Or my son will pick me up and throw me on the couch downstairs and be like, will you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> I get body slammed. <laughs> you know, I, and women, I am tired of you calling me chauvinistic. Actually, you get called selfish, too, a lot. Selfish? Sexist? That's not cool. The good <laughs> book says the man is the king. And a king you must obey. I'm King Hollywood. You wish. What do you mean I wish? You ain't no king. This is my castle. Whatever. And you are the queen. Exactly. So that means it's half mine. It ain't half yours, man. You know what? You'd ask King Henry about that shit, man. He cut the heads off of his fucking wives. <laughs> his queens. You're lucky this ain't medieval times, man. I'd have cut your head off a long fucking time ago. <laughs> it's half. Yeah, it's not half, man. And when you, you die, it's all mine. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to will it to my dog. <laughs> my dog's going to be living pretty. Put you outside in the dog house. We ain't got no dog house. You wanted a chicken coop. I did, but now I don't. Now you don't. Why don't you want a chicken coop? Because you keep telling me if I get a chicken, we got to raise it, and it's going to lay eggs and stuff, and then you're going to kill it. And no, you don't kill your pets. <laughs> That's when you chop their head off and let them fly. They run around. See, you're not going to be a good farmer. No. No, because I name everything. You name everything. Mm -hmm. No, fuck that, man. Get your ass in there, man. There's beef is beef, man. What do you think you eat when you go out to a restaurant? It's already dead. I didn't kill it or you didn't kill it. That's different. How is it different? Because I didn't name it prior to being <laughs> killed. <laughs> <laughs> so why am I chauvinistic? I don't know. I'm not the one that called you that. They call me sexist. They call you selfish. Who calls me selfish? Alora did earlier in the chat. Oh, Alora. She, she said you're selfish because you get yours, but I don't get mine. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. No. no. You bipolar. You know what? That's the. You know what? That's the punishment for your bipolarness. Dude, you know how long ago it was since I threw the shovel at the Silverado? God damn. I never forget. Yeah. I never forget. You do forget a lot of stuff, just not that. Not that. You <laughs> wish I forgot that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so what do you think about, uh, you know, her predicament here? Get over it. What do you uh, That's all you have to say? What? Fights happen. Right. I mean, what do you, how do you... These new age people, they use all these words and emotions and... All that shit. Whatever happened to a nice, good, knockout, drag-out fight? I don't know. Does that mean we're going to throw punches? Are we going to throw hands? Let's go! <laughs> I, I want to throw hands. Come on! Let's go! I'll fight. Mandish, you know what? One of these days, i got to wake you up out of that dream. I know. I'm telling you, man. I know. Let's go on to faith no more. <laughs> <laughs> we
listen to Motorcycle Madhouse Radio right on your smartphone by downloading the Xena app from Apple and Google Play Store. Add Motorcycle Madhouse Radio to your favorites and rock on all day long. Brotherhood and Betrayal is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the -the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't get the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. Boy, I love radio, but I love a good pee even more. Turn it up and piss somebody off. Shake a leg and zip it up. Oh my God! Now or never, here it comes. Take yourself on a journey into the unknown. Yeah! Are you ready? Attention! We came, we saw, we kicked it down! You're listening to Motorcycle Madhouse Radio, WMMRDB Rockford. Oh yeah, man, uh, you can get Brotherhood and Betrayal right now on Amazon and all eight online, what, online uh, major book retailers. Yeah, I got uh, tongue-tied there. Uh, we are in the top 50 now that refreshes every hour, man, and we're kicking ass. We're moving down the line there, man. Let's get that to number one, guys. Get on over there and get your copy of Brotherhood and Betrayal. We also have signed copies that are going to be uh, coming as soon as we get the inventory in you guys i'll let you know how you can get a signed copy and i think we uh decided china Dow is gonna kiss the book and sign it right on her lips how's that sound for you guys so you'll get something that can last forever right there baby <laughs> you'll get it uh anyway uh smithfield firefighter who was caught dealing cocaine seeks his job back one can't be both a first responder and someone who participates in illegal drug use and distribution says labor attorney vincent rogasta who is representing smithfield in its labor arbitration case against uh former smithfield firefighter thomas mccauley fired over criminal activity that was pleaded down to a lesser charge the former fighter fire is suing the town for his job and his pension back quote it's been the town's view that drug use drug dealing and affiliation with drug dealers gun runners are incapable of a position of public trust as a firefighter uh this records relate to wiretaps and mccauley's activity with outlaw motorcycle gangs prove he can't work with public trust you believe that outlaw motorcycle gang so if you're an outlaw motorcycle club you if you're in one you can't get a good job and you know what everybody knows i love my firefighters so why can't he get his job that's stupid that is stupid we're actually going to be doing a story i think tomorrow uh the first uh half of the show about that correctional officer he reached out to me he was a member of a club and i was like i don't know man you're a correctional officer then i said you know what this is biker news and you know as a news agency and stuff with the ona i got you know what screw that shit i'm gonna put both sides of the story out like i always complain about so i'm gonna be doing that 
putting that story out for you guys. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is a, this stuff actually goes on. Now, according to the search warrant, uh, who was 55 at the time of his arrest, and they want to take away his pension, uh, was patched over to become a member of the Pagans Motorcycle Club after being a full-patch member of the Cripman. The same warrant affidavit describes wired phone conversation of McCauley and incarcerated Cripman uh, club leader Rodney Lambert discussing the quality of cocaine and using illegal drugs. Number one, guys, don't ever freaking talk over a prison phone, man. That shit is recorded. Duh. Yeah. It even says. It even says that, man. Uh, they're going <laughs> to listen to it. Being recorded. Don't do that dumb shit. Dumbass. Uh, I do have to say, how you guys doing out in Sweden, Netherlands, United Kingdom, and everybody else out there worldwide that are listening to us right now, we really appreciate your support, and as well as the donations. Uh, you guys are killing it, man. We really appreciate the donations because it's hard times right now hard times right now uh especially with uh all the censorship and i went off on a tangent last night on that one man it kind of pissed me off uh, you know i started reading that stuff i was like you assholes you know enough is enough man you know we're all adults if you don't want kids to see that then put an 18 and over deal on it man what am i gonna tell you but you don't take away people's right to speech I don't care if you're a platform or not, it's yours. You're acting like a publisher under Section 230. And, you know, you don't need those protections. That's just my way of thinking. So, it is what it is. But we're going to be on uh, tonight, or actually I'm going to be on tonight at 7 uh, p.m. Central Standard Time, rocking with Hollywood. And we're going to be doing two in a row, meaning, you know, we'll play two songs. I talk a little bit and keep on going, DJing it right. A lot of people complain that I don't play enough music on Rockin' with Hollywood. Is this true? I don't know. I haven't heard anything. No, I'm talking about is it true I don't play enough music? I don't know. I think you play good. I, I don't know. We play three or four, sometimes five songs when I was During on the show. You. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, is what it is so we'll have two in a row tonight uh with that guys uh great show this morning great show uh china down hopefully you got the uh, soap out of your mouth i'm gonna call you bubbles now no that's your nickname no that ain't my nickname donna said so that ain't happening that's donna your says nickname. so and uh to respect for the canadian princess go fuck off <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going around being called Bubbles. <laughs> anyway, guys, hopefully you guys enjoy your day. The weekend's almost upon us, man. Just keep on pushing, and Saturday I'll be here. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.